Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back into the second half of the season. It's Tuesday. It's now dark, very dark. I don't actually know what time it is, but I do this week know it is Tuesday. And as always, I am joined by my good friend, the big man, Murph. How are you doing, buddy? More good, Brosif. It's uh, yeah, it's been a long, uh, long few days. It's already been quite a long season, really, when you think about it. And uh, yeah, we've got the uh, excitement of a lockdown coming um, in a couple of days' time. So, uh, looking forward to spending yet another month confined to the four walls that I call home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess that's a benefit of me being able to go to work still at the moment. Technically, even though golf courses look like they will be closed, there doesn't appear to be any furlough on the horizon for me and my team, which is good. So hopefully yeah. I can still go to work and there won't be golf getting in our way so we can plow into our winter works and get that all out of the way nice and early. But yeah, for those of you that do work at home and have an impending lockdown, I do feel for you, trust me. Yeah, it's it's hard now going into month eight of working at home, but you know it is it is what it is. Absolutely. Do you know what isn't what it isn't is the football this weekend. Good lord, stuff is just not going at all the way I planned this season. I, I, it's very difficult 
to for me to sit there and think all this research I'm doing is paying off right now. I am in so many holes all over the place. I just can't seem to climb out of these, even with a ladder thrown at me at the moment. Really? Is it that bad? Well, it's, I'm very much split 50-50. I'm either winning my leagues or, or have a really good record or I have a really terrible record and it doesn't matter what I seem to do. I just seem to keep losing. I know quite a few of our teams are around 500 or just above, but personal teams, I'm very much a polarizing hit or miss, <laughs> very much hit or miss. And, and the ones I'm hitting on, I'm thinking, this is this is fairly lucky. Um, what am I doing here that I'm not doing everywhere else? It's just, it, it's been a strange season. You, you mean, you've got, you got COVID, you've got um, a lot of factors, but I was just starting to analyze some of the data today just to get a better picture on it. And, you know, what what's clear is that the majority of the first round, with the exception of maybe two or three players, uh, have been absolute busts. And so it made your second round picks and third round picks massive. And if you tended to hit on those second and third round picks and then added some quality off the waiver wire early, you did quite well or you would be doing quite well versus if you took a gamble in the second round because of you felt secure in the lock of your first round pick, you really have um, lumbered into some trouble. So, yeah, the, some of the analysis has shown is, you know, there were some big waiver wire ads prior to week one, week one. James Robinson, um, probably the biggest. You know, if you drafted in Mike Davis, as I did in a number of leagues, you've definitely papered over a lot of the cracks. But if you if you just had a very agile approach, you probably have done okay. But that first round, I mean, you, you look at it, that CMC has, has not really been utilised Saquon is out for the season. Zeke. I mean, people call Zeke a bust. He's the RB7. Like, you can sit here and say you're not happy with the production you're getting. He's the RB7. Like, it's not... He's not killed you by drafting him. He's not the player you thought you were drafting, but he hasn't killed you. Alvin Kamara, Steele, Dalvin Cook obviously puts on a massive weekend... um, Derek Henry has been solid. Again, people sitting there saying, mm, not overly sure. He's not scored as many touchdowns. He's still like the RB3. Like, he's not losing you weeks. Um, if you're playing with, with Derek Henry, Michael Thomas has barely played since week one, week two. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Adams was injured, but now he's putting some games together. Mixon injured, not really being productive. Nick Chubb, IR. Um you know, whoever you were taking. And then if you took Lamar Jackson early, well, you snookered anyway, because not only were you losing at the value of the position, but he's coming in at like the quarterback nine or 10, and he's not producing you the numbers that, that you sort of drafted. Same if you drafted Kittle or Mark Andrews high up the board, they're not returning you the numbers. Kelsey, funny enough, is. But yeah, it, it, it's all down to if you built your rosters properly, even if you went RBRB, I still think you're in a pretty good spot because you would have hit on one of those. The only way you would have really missed is if you took, I mean, if you think of the second round guys that were going off the board, Todd Gurley's a hit this year, regardless of whether you think he's any good or not. He's the RB4, I think, on the season. Um, you know, he he's a hit um, wherever you've got him. You know, he is returning those, those the, he's outperforming ADP. 
you know, if you look at people that drafted Kareem Hunt in the fifth, sixth round, he's outperforming ADP. Aaron Jones in the second round, he's not a big bust. He's, you know, he's had some injuries, but he's still returned close to 100 points. He's RB8 on the season. Josh Jacobs, if you took him in the second round, RB9, he's hit. James Conner, third round, you know, he's RB10, he's hit. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, people are disappointed with him. He's still the RB11. Uh, if you gambled on Ronald Jones, he's the RB12. Carlson, RB13, you know, all these guys in that second, third round fringe, you're talking there, Chris Carson, James Conner, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, uh, Todd Gurley, all those guys in that range have hit. The only one that hasn't is Kenyon Drake. If you took Kenyon Drake, he's the RB18. He hasn't hit for you. Uh, Montgomery, Mr. Plotter, hasn't done too well. David Johnson, RB19, hasn't done too well. Um, But, you know, for the most part, if you went RB in the second round, you've done okay. Like, you haven't you haven't totally missed unless you've you've gone for a double RB stack and you've got an injury and then you've paired that with a Kenyon Drake, uh, a David Johnson perhaps. And if, if you've done that and you've reached for that second RB, then you you are struggling a little bit. But even so, they're not massively behind that RB1 pace. I mean, David Johnson is RB19 and he is six points away from being an RB1. So he's not overly killing you. Which is one touchdown, isn't it? Exactly that. You know, he, he scores one touchdown and, and he gets you there. So, you know, there, there's context to everything. But I think the teams that are doing well are the teams that uh, have have done well on the waiver wire. They've they've picked up players like James Robinson. They picked up Ronald Jones if he was available, if he was dropped. They picked up a Mike Davis, who's the RB15. Um, picked up Antonio Gibson if you drafted early. I know he was going in drafts in the fifth, sixth round, but you know he's still returning RB21 numbers. Um, Jarek McKinnon, um, Miles Gaskin, all these sorts of players have proved to be highly valuable because they have filled in when those RB1s, if you drafted them early, ha- have come in. Um, and you still have those players to come. Like if you have CMC, like I'm in a league where I'm about to move to seven and one and I've got CMC to come back. Like that's ideal. It's a great situation to be in. Um, I've got other leagues where I'm hanging around 500, got CMC to come back like that. That's as good as you can kind of hope for really. So I think it's interesting and it's easy to say like, oh, injuries have killed me, but injuries have killed a lot of people. It's It's more about, the rest of your squad and if you built a decent enough team you can survive one big injury it's it's actually how you respond to it and you know it's really those wide receivers if you invested in a big big wide receiver that for me is where your investment hasn't overly paid off unless you drafted Tyreek Hill and, and Devontae Adams but the, the truth is they're not enough of a differentiator mm. um, to later round guys I mean if you drafted I mean, DK Metcalf right now is is the wide receiver one, and he's had a bye week, and he's had a bye week. You know, it's but it's so small the gap. I mean, if you, the, these guys here, these are guys that you would have got later rounds. Calvin Ridley's the wide receiver three. You'd have got him in the third round. Tyler Lockett. What was Tyler Lockett going in? Fifth round, mm, probably. Probably fifth round. Fair, maybe even sixth. He's wide receiver four. Adam Thielen, fourth round. He's wide receiver six. Robert Woods, we talked about. He was going as as, a, as late as the fifth, but really realistically the fourth. 
He's wide receiver seven. Stefan Diggs, he was going fifth round. He's wide receiver eight. Tyler Boyd was going in the sixth, seventh round. He's wide receiver 11. Chase Claypool, three. He was wide receiver 13. Will Fuller, eighth, ninth round. Wide receiver 14. Justin Jefferson, three. Robbie Anderson, three. You know, it's if you drafted people like Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin... I mean, if you if you started your draft, and this I saw a lot of drafts like this where you drafted, you know, Barkley and and Godwin, then you know that's hard to come back from. But yeah, you, this is where the waiver wire is so so important um, every week, and those that are owning that waiver wire are, are able to get themselves to five hundred and buy themselves a chance. Whereas mm. if you're not owning the waiver wire, then you, you know because. There's there's so many guys off the waiver wire. This has been the, the best year for me off the waiver wire because you could have picked up players like Ch- uh, Claypool, T. Higgins, um, Justin Jefferson, Robbie Anderson. Oh, this is just wide receivers. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, um, Travis Fulgram. These are top 25 wide receivers right now. All of them that I just named are in the top 25. Mm, and they're, they're not... And they're all free and they're not that much of a differential. Like... Let's take, for example, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson to be a wide receiver one, he's less than a touchdown away. Which is absolutely nothing, is it? I mean, especially Robbie Anderson, and he gets big yardage in his games. He only needs an extra hundred yards. And I mean, if you if you if you're looking at the players that, let's say, for example, you drafted DJ Moore in the in the fifth round, um, and then someone else picked up Robbie Anderson, the difference is less than a point per game between the two. Mm. So yeah, there is a lot of luck involved because you had to get those guys. But if you reacted quicker, if you've been listening to the waiver wire pods, if you've been reading the articles, if you've been looking at the start sits and studying the trends and some of the things that we've been telling you to, then you'd have read between the tea leaves on on quite a lot of things. And you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you would be seven and one, eight and zero, oh, but I think you'd be a lot closer to to five hundred. Um, and that, you know, if you're five hundred at this stage and you've had to ride some injuries to get through that's not a bad place to be if you've got those players coming back yeah and I think also as well most of the leagues I've seen I've looked at in depth where my teams are around 500 there are a lot of teams within one or two wins or losses of 500 or 500 and there is very few leagues where you might have one team that's racing away but there could be this is definitely the season I've seen the most of teams being able to get to the playoffs from a lesser position than some other years have gone because of how many teams are packed into the middle of the league and you have a couple of strong weeks with a couple of decent waiver ads and you're right back up there in playoff mix whereas sometimes if you only had three wins at this point in the season you might be thinking well even if I if I win out here I I might miss out because there's lots of teams with bigger winning records but there's so many at 500 right now it's crazy. Yeah, and that shows you uh, a few things. That shows you that the competitive landscape has um, shortened, and that people are obviously doing more research. And and you're in if you're in a league where a lot of the teams are, are five hundred, that means you you're in a pretty good league. Like mm. um, it's a pretty active league. Um, people are really trying to win, and it's that everyone's taking wins off each other. But the other thing is, there's no real differentiators, right? So at this point last season. CMC was on for a record performance. Lamar Jackson was on for a record performance. Teams that had both those players were were running away from the rest of the pack, right? There's one player who has a differential over the rest of the pack, 
in in any position you know the gap between Mahomes and Russell Wilson is is one point um just over a point and then to Kyler Murray it's another 10 or 11 and those three have got a little bit of a differential to Josh Allen who's then got a differential to to Aaron Rodgers right so at QB but you don't have a guy necessarily like pulling away 50 50 points ahead running back again very very similar you've got three guys um, who, if you've got one of those three, you do have a positional advantage, and that's Dalvin Cook. But his points have been very streaky. But Alvin Kamara, if you've had Alvin Kamara and you've had Derek Henry, you know you're in you're in a good spot because um, those guys have consistently put points on the board most weeks, and they've got a, a 25 point advantage to Todd Gurley, James uh, Robinson, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, and they're kind of the the next four. But you know. Even if you've had, if you've got one of those seven players, you're in pretty good spot. If you've got two of those, um, I seem to have a lot of Gurley and Robinson in the same team. You know, they've bought me time um, to get me through. Wide receiver just hasn't much of a differential at all. You know, the difference between the wide receiver one and the wide receiver 12 is, 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 is 28 points. It's not, not a great deal. It's a few points a game, really. Um, tight end is the only position where there's one player who's really run away with it and it, it, it's Travis Kelsey and if you drafted Travis Kelsey you have had a positional advantage over everybody else but if you didn't everybody else is pretty much the same mm. they, like this is why I don't advocate drafting tight ends okay if you've taken Kelsey in the third round you probably have done okay um, but if you took George Kittle or Mark Andrews, those guys haven't paid off for you at all because you could have got Robert Tonyan for free. You could have got Johnny Smith late, TJ Hawkinson late. Um, and those guys are just all, all within each other. There's just nothing to split any of those players. It's like two, three points. So there just isn't, there isn't the positional peaks that you would have. You would normally have all these guys separating, but it's all been very, very close this year. So, because of that, the way that teams will be made up, you'll have teams that will go off one week and it all kind of balances out, which is why you've got so many so many teams around the same number of points totals are very similar and the same number of uh, win and losses. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that, actually. That uh, An active league is, is where teams are more balanced than perhaps a league, which, which makes perfect sense because if you've got a league where there's only a couple of people adding waiver-wise then they're building the super teams of the league and they'll be racing away at the top and that'll be very evident to see. I didn't think about it, it like that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just looking through some of the leagues where I've got massive records, right? Six and one, seven and one. There's only one league where I have a superior points and record advantage. Um, I mean, you know, the, the Warrior Bowl, for example, um, going into this week's game, I have a 100 and... 20 point advantage give or take a, a couple of points there um and i'm about to move to seven and one in that league i'm just going to see if the other guy is yeah I'll, I'll probably grow that lead that point lead to about 100 and 150 points that's really the only league uh, actually there's another one there's there's only two out of all the leagues are playing where there's i've got a significant record and there's a huge points gap um, you know, I, I'm seeing leagues where the team that's like two and five is the leading point scorer. Mm. It, it's just been a very boom and bust year, I think, so far. In, in this is where, if you've never listened to Bob Lung and you've never read the consistency guide, this is where consistency does bring you 
does bring you wins because you you might not have. I mean, it'd be so great if you had Dalvin Cook this weekend. You'd be absolutely delighted with the performances given you. He's, he's won you your week, but you know he could very easily blank next week and he'll still be the RB one or two. Um, but there's no consistency. Whereas you know, if you look at Derek Henry, Derek Henry hasn't had a massive, massive week this season. He's not done like a 40-point week, but he's been consistently chodding along. Alvin Kamara, the same. He's not scoring touchdowns, but he's putting up 150, 160 yards every week. So he's plodded along at a very, very good pace. So if you've got Alvin Kamara in your lineup, you not only have the advantage of having the one of the top two running backs in the game, but you have someone who's consistently scoring at a rate of higher than 95% of the field. So having that consistency mixed in with someone who's high scoring is, is an absolute winner. Whereas, you know, if you've owned Devontae Adams, you've, your season's kind of gone like that. And your yeah. wins and losses have probably been, and that's no disrespect to Devontae Adams, right? He's been injured, he's been hurt. But when he's been on the field, he's been elite, you know, with three touchdown day, two touchdown day. But he's also had games where he's done very little because he's either been hurt or he's just recovered from injury. Yeah. Um, so you kind of having your win and loss would be depending on these performances and you kind of have to hope for the, the, the peak. So I think it's going to be interesting when we data set the whole season. I mean, we're looking at almost half a season's worth of data now minus one game. So we've got quite a lot of data to look at. And the thing that's interesting is there's just a lot of evening out. There's no real person who's, who's massively running away with positions and that free agents and very free guys are right up there at the tops of, of each position. Yeah. And it's not as if some seasons where we see the first few weeks of free agency, that's where you splash your budget on fab because a couple of guys turn up and you grab them and you're willing to go all in. And the, the, there'll be people every week because of COVID and, and stuff like that. There'll be people every week who turn up and you can put them in your your, your lineup from waivers. And, and then there'll be those guys who do turn up between now and the end of the season who are just as big as the James Robinsons and Mike Davis, because there unfortunately will be COVID stuff going on and, and who knows what else. I mean, that's really, yeah. I mean, that's relatively true. I think the exception is, is, is the running back position. You know, you, you've mentioned two there in, in Mike Davis and, and James Robinson, but everyone else was fairly well drafted. Um, yes, you've definitely had some steals at positions. Um, Darrell Henderson massively outperforming ADP. Ronald Jones right now is massively outperforming ADP. Todd Gurley's, but then Todd Gurley was a second, third round pick, and he's outperforming ADP. Yeah. Um, but most of these guys were drafted. I think if you if you're scrolling down, you look at the list of, of let's say the top 36 players. The only players in this list that weren't were Davis, Robinson unless you played in the very last week of drafts, he might have been uh, picked up, but late on Gaskin, Jamal Williams is, is up there. So he would have been free. But that, at this point, when you're in this tier of Jamal Williams, like he's 29th overall um, for him to drop to 33 overall, um, he'd have to drop half a point. Like they're just, I mean that, that tier of, of players is, is all about the same. So you look at the top 27 players, there's only three of them that really weren't drafted. Whereas if you look at, at the other positions, tight end, wide receiver, there's there's three players scattered all in there, yeah. um, pretty much everywhere. Um, and I think your point is that, yeah, there are difference makers every week on, on the waiver wire. But, you know, I think if, you, if you've if you picked up the right players at the right time, 
and I'm looking at players like Robbie Anderson, Justin Jefferson, um, you could have a really cool nucleus of, you could be so deep at a position now. You could have five or six top 25 wide receivers just basically if you played the waiver wire smart. Mm. And then you can flip those to, to fill your inadequacies in your team. Yeah. I'm finding trading very difficult at the moment as well because because people are scared to get rid of anything that's working for them. It's been a strange year for trading, and I um, and I personally I'm still getting offers that just absolutely baffle me. I got one before I was on air in a dynasty league where I traded Mike. Where someone offered me to take Mike Evans and Clyde edwards hilaire off my off my hands for for Todd Gurley who doesn't have a contract next year and McCall Hardman. Um, when when would I ever accept that? You're you I'm getting the older running back who hasn't got a contract next year and I'm trading Mike Evans who admittedly hasn't been brilliant this year, but he's been better than McCall Hardman. <laughs> like hmm. what am I trading that for? Like you know, it, I find I, I've had more offers this year that have just made absolutely no sense. And I don't you know, we we did a session, we talked about trading, we talked about the elements of how you can get trades. I don't really know how to advise people other than if you're not making trades right now, you're probably not playing the game right. Um, if you if you're six and one, seven uh, six and two, seven and one, you know eight and zero, oh, fine. You know you don't need to do anything unless there's a really good offer out there. But you know I, I'm in a league where I'm certain to make the playoffs. And I need to win one game. In fact, I don't even need to win a game to make the playoffs. And I'm pretty much nailed on. I had my busiest trading week yet, and I'll take an L this week because I can afford to. I just bought in, you know, five or six brilliant players and I've shipped two out. But now I've got so much depth and quality at so many positions that I'm I'm really stacked for the playoffs and it made sense to make those trades. You should always be trying to improve your roster and it doesn't mean you, you should be trying to win every trade, but you should be finding those trade partners and making moves because, you know, there, there's value to be had, you know, and, and people take too much stock off name and draft ADP at the start of the season. So loads of people, for example, will want a premium price for Mike Evans. So you go and inquire about Mike Evans and they're like, oh yeah, well I want um, Julio Jones or I want, you know, Robert Woods. No, like that, that's, you know, and then you offer something that's a uh, Justin Jefferson. They're like, no, it's definitely not. Well, Justin Jefferson has more points than, than Mike Evans. <laughs> at this point of the season mm. like how's that not a fair trade um it, it's just it just staggers me um you know I, I made an offer this week and um i was trying to buy a wide receiver and i'm sorry but trying to buy a running back and i offered um cole beasley and um amari cooper for james robinson and i was told un- under no certain terms that that was that was a good offer i was like Okay, so I'm trading you the wide receiver 29 who's on course for 1,000 yards this season um, and the wide receiver uh, 15. Uh, and I'm asking for the, yeah, okay, I'm asking for the running back four, but I'm giving you two players who outscore the other player I'm asking for by about 40 points this season. And then their wide receivers, all of their wide receivers they had one top 30 player and that was Darius Slayton. I'm improving a position a week <laughs> But fine, they didn't want to trade. Um, and that's fine. Like, But if you're not going to trade, you, you're going to struggle to win your league. Yeah, I think that's what I'm up against. I'm not, it's not that I'm not trading or not willing to trade. I'm just, maybe I'm just not putting the right offers out there and I'm getting it completely wrong, but people just don't seem to want to give anything up for me. 
So no, I think I think you've got to you've got to be brave, and I think you've got to be prepared to give up big names for because the big names aren't big names this year, unless with the exception of three or four or five names, mm. they're just not big names anymore because they're in in a group of other players that are all scoring about the same, and the cream might rise to the top, to the top um, by the end of the season, but it might not at the same token, you know, it's, it's a gamble. Um, and I've got some advice later on about um, some teams that you should be trying to get targets from if you're heading to the playoffs. Um, and hopefully that will help. And it might look on paper slightly un- unfair, but actually in the long run, it might pay off for you. And hopefully Absolutely. that will help. Absolutely. Well, Murph, that was the longest intro in five yard history. <laughs> we better get to some news before the takeaways in a little bit. <laughs> yes. Apologies for that. I just, yeah. No, just, no. You know, you mentioned something that's been on, on my mind this week and uh, I think it's been on a lot of listener minds where they've drafted really well uh, and haven't got the results of, of the draft they were kind of hoping for. And so I just wanted to put some context behind why uh, and potentially what you can do about it. Absolutely. Well, let's start with some fighting news and that was Bears. Javon Wims is facing a possible suspension for punching Saints' Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Johnson offered no fight back when Wims decided to run over and, and punch him in the helmet, which I'm sure hurts absolutely no one but Wims's hands. Um, I don't know the precursor to this. I just know that it was ridiculous when you see the replay because he wasn't even covering him in, in that play. Well, he was, so I think there was something to do with Anthony Miller on a previous play, and there was probably some trash talking. There's just two things here that strike me as absolutely stupid. The first one is... If you're going to punch a guy, why are you punching his helmet? There's only one loser in that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's why Johnson got the Tom Johnson. He's just looking around going, dude, you're crazy. And then he does it again. <laughs> but he does it again. But then, he, and, and this is where, this is the difference between a good organization and a not so good organization. And I'm not, I'm not saying the Bears are a bad team. I'm not, I'm not trying to dig out um, anything other than culture, right? What do you reckon Bill Belichick would have done to that player when he had, when he had, uh, you know, seen what had happened? What do you oh. reckon would have happened to Javon Wims if he's on the Patriots? He's throwing him in the chokey for three weeks and then getting him off the team. That's... He's cut him. He'll yeah. just cut him the next day. You know, we're, we're not talking about a player who is a superstar here. We're talking about a guy who has what twenty, thirty career catches for, for the Bears. Not a lot of money tied into him. But anyway, regardless of that, you can void it because of what he's done on national television um, in front of an audience. Um, you're, you're cutting that guy. Do you know what Matt Nagy's response to that was? Did you hear it? No. He didn't see it. Well, how did you not see it? His head was buried down in the playbook and he didn't see it. Now, as the head coach of the game, uh, of a team, right, I'm pretty sure your job is to watch what's going on in the game. Like, I'm pretty sure that is your job is to watch the game and to see what's going on. So he's just basically admitted he's not watched. He's not watching the game as it's happening. But then on top of that, he has gone back. He sees that. Well, you know, I've seen what, what everyone else has seen. and It doesn't look good. You, you got to take this out of the coach's hands. Ryan Pace, the, the, the general manager, has to cut him. He has to pull him in the office. Don't bother waiting for the suspension. Just cut the guy. You can't have people like that on your team who it's an unprovoked assault that is what it is it's an unprovoked assault it's certainly not a good look is it i, I think not an easy not a good look it's just why would you want someone like that on your team 
Exactly. I mean, why, why would you want him on your team? What, I would not want a guy. There, there's a difference between standing up for yourself. So, if Chancey Gardner Tom Johnson after after being punched pushed this guy over, I wouldn't hold him at fault for that. He did, for me, Ch- Chancey Gardner Johnson has shown what incredible character he has by just being completely restrained. Mm. He's not put his team in jeopardy. He's not put his his himself or anything like he knows this guy's not hurt him he's just looked at him and gone you're mental what are you doing and you know maybe there's something wrong with Jerome Wims maybe he's a guy who, who has problems I, I don't know but it's not the the actions of somebody who has uh I don't know what the right wording is but he clearly has an issue and yeah, I'd be taking that guy off my team, uh, offer him support if he if he needs it. But ultimately, he can't be part of the franchise because he doesn't represent the values of the franchise. Because he hurts the team, he's been ejected. There was a penalty off the back of that. It doesn't help the team to win. Therefore, he's no good to you. The next bit of news is that Avery Williamson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers from the New York Jets for a twenty twenty fifth, and the Steelers also get the Jets twenty twenty two seventh. And then Avery Williams followed this up with a picture of him in his Jets uniform on the sidewalk in New York, thumbing down a yellow cab, which I thought was tremendous. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about the New York Jets. I'm sorry, Tom. Um, Avery Williamson's a good football player. You know, did very well at the Titans. Um, you have to question why only a 2020 fifth or 2021 fifth. Sorry, I don't know why I put 2020. It's 2021st fifth. Uh, I don't know why you must have been able to get more than that. I don't know how that helps you. Um, probably with the cap and you can roll it over into next year. Um, but I don't know. It's a strange, I good for Williamson. He gets to go from an 0 and 17 to a 7 and 0 team in one go. Like, thanks for coming. What well, 0 and 8 now, actually. 0 and 8 to a 7 and 0. So for Williamson, it's, it's, it's great. There was also another trade that happened just before we came on air. Um, and that's Quan Alexander's going back to the NFC South. Um, he's gone from the 49ers to New Orleans, and they've sent Kiko Alonso and a conditional fifth-round pick in exchange. Oh, Kiko Alonso's starting to do the rounds. I also saw that the Chargers have traded one of their cornerbacks to the Titans for a fifth or a sixth-round pick. I can't remember the guy's name. But I I've saw not that. seen that, but it's amazing that these values are so... Low. I mean, clearly, it's it's a it's a buyer's market out there. You know, there's some players that that can be had, and the trade deadline is is tomorrow. And you know, we still don't know about David and Juku. We still don't know about John Ross, um, Michael Thomas. A, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I they they're saying he's not going to be traded. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure if someone came in for a worldy offer, um, I think if you're Baltimore, I think you throw everything out to go and get him. Um, you just saw on on. On Sunday, what they're missing, they're missing a a, a proper uh, playmaker in the receiving core. Yeah, they definitely need an outside big dog out there. That's for sure. I mean, Michael Thomas to the to the Ravens make a whole heap of sense, and you know you you haven't got many holes on that roster. Um, you know, I'd be making those inquiries to go and get him um, as, as much as possible. I know the Packers are, are potentially in for. Uh, I forget who it is now. But they've been talking about a wide receiver for a while now. Murph, explain this one to me. Why is Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew expected to be inactive next week against the Texans? I think he's he's got 
is it an illness or an injury? There is something very specific. Um, so he's not being benched? No. Um, and I certainly don't think he's being benched for Mike Glennon or Josh Jobs or Josh Dobbs for uh, any reason. It's some form of injury. I don't know what I'm just looking it up now. Uh, he's got multiple fractures and a strained ligament in his right thumb. That sounds painful. Multiple fractures in a, in your thumb. Oh, Gardner, get well um, soon. It's not Josh Dobbs. Sorry, I said on the podcast earlier it was going to be Josh Dobbs. It's going to be Jake Luton or Mike Glennon. See, easy mistake to make. All those nobodies. <laughs> I mean, Jake Luton's a rookie, so I wouldn't mind seeing him have a spin. I, 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 we don't need to see Mike Glennon uh, make a start Good in the NFL. We've, I've seen enough of him at Tampa and the Bears and... Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey and Packers rookie running back AJ Dillon have both tested positive for COVID-19. I haven't seen anything about this at all. Not well, good yeah, news. It's just that they've both been tested. AJ Dillon, as a result, will 100% be out because they're playing Thursday night. He won't have enough time to boomerang back on uh, to get cleared and, and, and to get back into the roster. In time, Marlon Humphrey, I mean, we saw it with Joey Sly two weeks ago, probably, you know, if, if things pass pretty quickly, we'll have a chance. But I think you have to plan for him to not be not be there. Yeah, that's not good news for the Ravens cornerback room who have been on a lock with Humphrey. And uh, God, why does his name always escape me? Marcus Peters? Yeah. Um, yeah, they've been playing pretty well this year, so... Moving on to your boy, Dalvin Cook, Murph. I joke, obviously. Dalvin Cook enjoyed a historic performance in a win over the Packers. This feels like a Murph on the street segment. Kerf is the f- Cook is the first Vikings player with at least 200 scrimmage yards and at least four scrimmage touchdowns in a single game. That's from NFL Research. The running back is also the only player in NFL history with at least 200 scrimmage yards and four scrimmage touchdowns in a game against the Packers. That's also as well as the only player with such a game at Lambeau Field, including Packers players. So well done, Dalvin Cook, on that stat, being uh, the most yardage and touchdowns, including Packers at your home ground. Cook earned 226 of Minnesota's 324 scrimmage yards, which is just under 70%. That is mental. It is. And, you know, what is more mental is why more teams don't just run the ball down Green Bay's throat. Um, you know, a stat I continue to use on this show is um, in the AFC title game, Green Bay gave up 186 yards um, rushing prior to contact to the San Francisco 49ers. You then have their loss to um Tampa wasn't just the run it was defensive it was just but they basically choked the game out of uh, out of Aaron Rodgers and and then they run the ball pretty comfortably Ronald Jones I think got two touchdowns and then you've had Dalvin Cook just go absolutely nuts at the end of the day Mike Pettin in, in Green Bay just they cannot stop the run so this whole thing about getting into a shootout with them is just not the way to beat them you just need to run the ball on them consistently and hard and Thursday night football will be great because if the 49ers can get enough players to run the ball and they've got a big injury list. So that's a, a difficult task, but if they can get enough effective runners on the ball, they, they can still win that game despite the laundry list of injury players that they've got. Yeah. It's um, it, I mean, if you were the GM of the giants right now, that would be a game plan against the Packers. You would definitely make sure that the Mr. Judge was using. Oh, I, I just think any, 
any team in the league, you have to look at, at weaknesses. And, you know, the, the thing that's interesting is that, you know, this was the Achilles heels of the Green Bay Packers last year. The reason they didn't go to the Super Bowl was because they got run on in the AFC title game. And what amazes me is that they didn't address that at all in free agency, through the draft, whatever position. And yet teams have still tried to go out there. Minnesota in the first game just got absolutely obliterated, so they had to throw the ball. But teams have not tried to establish the run on on Green Bay this year, with the exception of of Tampa and with the exception of of Minnesota. And you have to question why teams haven't done that. Maybe they're not good enough. I I don't really know. Um, It does help that the Green Bay schedule has been relatively kind at this stage. But... (laughs) Um, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. Yep. But you know, the the reason why I can't take Green Bay seriously as a uh, as a Super Bowl contender is is what we saw on Sunday. I mean, that is the game plan as to how to beat the. You know, they were one and six going into this game, one and five uh, Minnesota uh, going into this game. If you if you can create a scheme and you've got the runners to do it, you you will beat the Green Bay Packers because they just can't stop it. That's how you do it. Talking of uh, that's how you do it. Beating the Dallas Cowboys seems ridiculously easy right now because Carson Wentz on his four turnover win versus the Cowboys said, I know I can play better. Yeah, no way, man. I mean, you don't throw two interceptions, lose two fumbles and still absolutely turn the Cowboys over. You have to play better. I don't don't know what's wrong with Carson Wentz. I genuinely don't know. What what is wrong with him? But he's thrown. He's now had double the turnovers he had last year, and halfway through the season, um, it's it's just ludicrous. Like it's it's just game management. You know, it took the the, the defense to to clinch the game, and <clears throat> I think that listen, they're going to win the division, right? But you have to question why you have to question why the mistakes continue to happen. You know, you know you're playing a team in the Cowboys where they've got their third string QB who's never started a game before. You know you're going to get the opportunities to win the game. So why are you forcing it? Why are you forcing it? And, and this this is the sort of game that Jameis Winston would have gone into last year, and he would have lit up for a while and then put the game back into jeopardy by throwing uh, needless interceptions. And it's pretty similar to what Carson Wentz does. And until he gets that out of his game. He He's never going to be in that conversation for an elite um, quarterback. And I know he killed a lot of people in, in fantasy football this year as a result. Mm-hmm. People were very high on him going into the season because he had all these weapons and stuff. And, and then the Philly injury infection happened. And as infection, probably the wrong word to use at this time of year, but uh, the injuries took hold in Philly, shall we say, and Wentz never really had a weapon and was just thrown inception and inception. I've got a point on the Cowboys game, Murph. In in our vampire league, well, the one where I'm a vampire of the two leagues we have, I'm playing I'm playing a guy and I set him as my opponent because he had Julio Jones and Mark Andrews. So I thought I'd, I'd take one of those when I take this guy to town. And then he he is two and five as well. So in order to get to the playoffs, he would have had to had a stab at beating me this week and he just benched all his good players in hope of me not taking anyone. So I benched Patrick Mahomes and played Ben DiNucci knowing that I was going to win. Is it a, is it bad of me in a vampire league to give him Ben DiNucci, take Ben, ben Roethlisberger, having he's already got Dak Prescott on IR and just say, well, that's the rest of the season for you with no quarterback, my friend. 
I think it depends on the rest of your roster. And if he doesn't have anyone else that's worth taking, then I would absolutely do that because that's just, that's not how you win vampire leagues um, as, as a player. And I think if, if you're that worried about losing uh, a game and losing a player, then you kind of just, you, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. I think you've got to play, play the game. Now, listen, if you've got two players, let's say, for example, you had, a questionable player or you had a player who, who looks certain to play, but is banged up and you benched him for someone who might bring you a, a better return as in I'll give you an example. Let's say Tyreek Hill was questionable with a rib injury or an ankle injury, but he looks like he's going to play, but you decide to go, well, he maybe he's going to be on account. I might play Nicole Hardman instead. If you can kind of see that sort of logic, you go, okay, fair enough. Um, but when you're just benching guys to just take an L when you're two and five, moving you to two and six, knowing that you need to win, you have to win out. Mm-hmm. Like seven, no and six, seven, seven and six might not win you, um, might not get you in, but that's your only hope. So you have to win out. Yeah, I'd, uh, I just think I'd like knowing that that's going to be your outcome. If it's week one, I get it a little bit. But not at this stage of the season. I think it's bad. Yeah, I would do it. I would just give him Ben Denucci, um and, and and end his season. Yeah, I mean he does have Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Mark Andrews. But if you yeah. didn't start any of them and you can't take them, then no, that's what I'm saying. He's he's he's, he's got a chance, but without he doesn't without he doesn't, a quarterback. Yeah, without a quarterback, he's got no chance. You just eliminate him because your job is to get in and and to get into the dance. I'm I'm going I'm going to that big dance. Right, let's move on. The Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle both exited early in the loss to the Seahawks. Jimmy Garoppolo reaggravated his ankle injury on Sunday and has perhaps reignited a quarterback controversy. In the 49ers room, George Kittle has suffered an ankle injury late in the fourth quarter and didn't return. Shanahan said x-rays showed no break for the all-pro tight end. And then running back Tevin Coleman, also returning to the lineup for the first time since week two, lasted less than half an hour before re-injuring his knee. Goodness gracious me, the 49ers are in injury purgatory right now. Uh, yeah, they're, they're in a, a bind. And, you know, those three players uh, are highly important to what they want to do. I think I think Nick Mullins might start on Thursday Night Football. Um, and I think that's probably the smart thing. Uh, Kittle, don't know, but the fact he's got an ankle injury and the fact they're playing on Thursday Night Football makes me think, and I said this in the Wave Wire column and, and the podcast, I'm not so sure he's going to play. Um, obviously, by the time you're listening to this, there might be more. It's not going to be a long-term injury. They've already kind of ruled that one out. Um, so if he was to miss time, it'd be like a week. Uh, he's not going to be missing too long. Um, I'm just trying to find the exact exact blurb. Um, but yeah, either way, I, I wouldn't be too worried about him, but I don't think he plays this week. And then uh, Tevin Coleman is a massive shame. Um, you know, maybe they rushed him back. Uh, mm. I don't know, but if that's the case, you know, I think he would have been highly important on Thursday. I don't think he plays now. And really, it's looking like it's going to be Hasty and uh, and McKinnon uh, as the only two available running backs. And, and who'd have thought that going into into the season, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I did see the, on the injury report that. Um, you know, Jarrett McKinnon was dealing with battered, tired legs. So, you know, <laughs> maybe it might be all hasty all the time on Thursday Night Football. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
Raiders offensive tackle Trent Brown has been hospitalized after an issue with a pre-game number four. No, I'm joking. A pre-game IV. That's a podcast joke from a few weeks back where Murph stitched me right up on the right up and just said IV. And I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. I, what's, how do you do an issue with an intravenous? Like, uh, it was an air bubble and they injected air into his bloodstream. Good God. So, yeah. So, you had um, Tyrod Taylor. Um, Punctured good. lung. <laughs> Yeah, punch your lung through doctors, and then you've got this. Like, it's just yeah, crazy, isn't it? That's madness. Absolute madness. Free agent kicker Aldrich Rosas is suspended for four games for personal conduct violation. How do you get suspended as a free agent? What are you doing? So he was with the Giants. He was involved in a road traffic accident uh, in the cut. summer, and he was cut. Uh, so it was a hit-and-run accident. So he was uh, let go as a result. Um, when some of the details came out, he then signed for the Jags. Um, he played in week four, um, and then he was cut after that. Even though he went four or five and an extra point, so I think I think the Jags knew this was coming. I think the Giants knew it was coming. Um, clearly, he he is guilty of even though he's not had a criminal so uh, investigation. So I have to be careful. Um, but clearly he is, the league have deemed him to be extremely at fault for that. And I think that could be the end of his NFL career. Patriots are expected to place wide receiver Julian Edelman knee on the injured reserve. That limits Cam's weapons even more. Man, yeah, I think that's you... done now. I think he has officially gone on to IR. Okay, fair. The uh, Patriots, do you think Bill Belichick's just sitting there thinking, if I'm going to carry this on, I might as well tank, try and get there for uh, Justin Fields and start again? No. Um, I don't think the, I don't think that's in his nature at all as a human being. I don't think he he would do that. Um, and I think the team that you saw on on Sunday against the Bills and don't forget they were in a very good position to win that game. Um, I don't think. I think if they wanted Justin Fields, they've got enough draft capital to go up and get him. I guess if you're if, if you're sitting higher in the league in in the finishing standings anyway, it gives you a little bit more. In, in tradability assets to move up a little bit as well, doesn't it? So Well, I think they're going to want to make some moves. I mean, Stefan Gilmore apparently is up for trade. Um, I, I think this is a lost season for the Patriots, and I think it's now down to what they, not necessarily what they want to salvage from it. I think um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be expecting them to, to tank. And at the same token, I wouldn't be, um, I think that they will, they will do, other things, I think maybe they they might look at some of the rookies they've drafted, try and get them on and, and see what they've got in their squad. I, I expect to see some rotation for them to almost analyse the whole squad and decide who they're going to keep and who they're going to get rid of. But clearly, I, I don't even know if they go rookie QB. I don't think that's the Belichick way. Um, I think he'll draft one for sure. Um, but I think that I'd be more inclined to see him uh, make a trade or... Um, do something uh, along those lines with with a veteran uh, to come in for a year and and play as opposed to roll out there with a rookie because he could have done that this year with with Jared Stidham and he didn't so I think that they will they'll do something whether it's they'll go after a Winston or they'll go after someone I think that they will acquire someone who is a bit more of a veteran uh, but maybe draft a QB to learn behind for a year yeah, absolutely. Right, Murph, we've rumbled on, so I'm going to smash through this injuries list, which isn't all fantasy relevant. Really, but, uh, I was going to say we could skip it um, and let the boys cover the relevant injuries on Friday if you want. All right, there you go. 
If you're uh, if you want these injury lists or or some injury relevant players, listen on Friday to Pitsy and Rob's Fast Action Friday. Oh, that saved me a massive amount of work, Murph. Congratulations, you've just won the week there, sir. Uh, well, that's what I'm here for. Uh, it, it, I mean, the only one I'd talk about really at depth is uh, running Stanley uh, Stanley because he uh, he just signed a new contract this week and he uh, was it 98.75 million and he's now out for the season. So pretty. Yeah pretty sad uh, that that's happened whenever i hear broken ankle it just sounds like you think oh you break your arm that's fine i say fine anything that's a straight so a leg or an arm a break seems less painful than a joint specific like the ankle just everything about the ankle seems fragile anyway and then when you say it's broken and i, I just oof, makes me feel a little queasy it's just something about the ankle i just it, it looked bad on on red zone i watched it and i knew immediately that was him done for the year you could just see it was it was just bad you didn't see the actual injury but he's such a big prominent guy and you know when he's leaving the field on a cart he's done but you know the one thing is at least for him and and this is a horrible thing to think about when you've just suffered a season-long injury but at least he's signed that contract it's it's in place like he, he he has that guaranteed money he you know Imagine he hadn't. Imagine them discussing it, and then he hadn't signed it. And then what would have happened? Yeah, you're right. At least he's got pen on paper and got that done. Exactly. Right, Murph. It's fantasy takeaway time. You can start. All yours. This one's a pretty easy one, right? Um, and it's now that point of the season where you you stash a QB. Um, a second QB, right? A second QB, right? So <laughs> you have a QB on your roster. A lot of people this year due to COVID have been doing this. The waiver wire is thinner than ever on QBs. Um, but if there is a QB, you only have one QB on your roster, now's the time to really stash a second or, or potentially even stash a third if you have uh, a ropey, um, say, 18 and below QB. So the reason for this is, is it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's the most important position, although there's plenty of depth. Um, but you're seeing here so many weeks now where QBs are killing killing your week. I mean, if you played Carson Wentz this week, you probably lost a lot of uh, games. Cam Newton probably cost you a lot of games. Um, you know, all these QBs that people have have, have not really um, produced. And I'm not saying that's advocating drafting a, a strong QB. Far from it. You could have got Herbert and he's, he's, he's kept you along quite nicely, Joe Burrow. Um, there's there's plenty of serviceable guys out there, but that pack is getting smaller uh, every week as the wave wires people are stashing these guys. So if you don't have a second QB, now's the time to to get one and to stash them. If you've already got one, but it's like a Sam Darnold or Drew Locke or someone like that, then you need to be um, finding a second person and playing them basically on a matchup loop. Because if your QB one goes down, that's your season done. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward, but too many. I, I say this because probably most of your opponents in your league are stashing a, a QB. Um, I've always stashed a QB, um, pretty much almost exclusively. Um, and people always tell me it's, um, you know, not necessarily the right play. But you saw last year there were six or seven QB injuries. Um, this season it's just with COVID, and there's just been some really bad play as well. So makes sense to to do that. <clears throat> Absolutely. My first one is the Steelers are now a death by a thousand cuts offense through the air and it's not going to be good for your fantasy wideouts. Deontay Johnson got injured and even with this injury, 
A late Claypool touchdown saw him climb to just above 10 points and Juju managed to get to just 10.2 through yardage alone. Eric Ebron Ebron got the touchdown and then James Conner was good on the ground. The Steelers' defense is turning up and the offense is keeping pace when they need to. Big Ben is spreading the ball about all over the place and predicting the big Deontay Johnson or the big Chase Claypool week is going to be tricky. Yeah, so I had some thoughts of this on the matchup podcast. Um, and I said, if you've got, if all three are fit, Deontay Johnson is the guy. Um, you look at the snap shares, you look at the targets. Uh, if he goes out, the one that gets the arrow up is Chase Claypool, not Juju. So Juju, I think, is the guy who's going to be the middle guy no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think he's the guy with the safest floor, but the lowest ceiling. I think he's just going to be a wide receiver three from here on out. He might have a bigger game than that. We saw a couple of weeks ago. I think if all three are fit, Deontay Johnson gets the work. If Johnson is out and he seems to be in and out of the lineup, like every week he's got a new injury or the same injury, I don't know. Then I think Claypool's the one that takes the step forward, which is what you would have seen in this game is Johnson goes out. Claypool got the work at the very end when Johnson left the game. Um, And I think that's kind of how you have to see that offense. Ultimately, there's three guys and they'll that passing as you said with the defense is not going to throw 50 times a game it's just that the days of ben throwing 50 times a game is, is done so they're all going to have a pretty limited ceiling um so going forward you have to see who's available uh every week but for me if all three are available claypool's the guy i would take out of my lineup if johnson is out then claypool's the guy i'd want to start and Juju's just a wide receiver three all the way. And I think he's matchup dependent. Mm-hmm. Agree. That's how I kind of see it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Seems funny talking about this one since we've already mentioned it. So uh, unless you're at six wins or more, you've got to trade to get into your playoffs. But it's just as simple <laughs> as that. Um, we've <laughs> talked about it now for the last few weeks. we talked about it at the start of this pod. If you're not trading, I don't know why. Stop putting crap trades out there. Like, it's just boring. Like, the amount of poor trades I've had this season, it's just beyond a joke. Um, I, it, it's got to the point where it, it, I don't understand it. Like, I, I'm now just going to stop countering because I don't see the point. Like, if, if there's nothing to counter to start with, it's just not worth it. Look at trade partners. Go back to listen to the episode from two weeks ago. Look at trade partners. Look at people that you can... Uh, align yourselves with and and work out a deal um and this ties into uh the next one which i'll cover later on um because there's some advice here that i think you should use to to get some well i mean you're, you're talking about it big man carry on talk about your next one all right so for me i think if you've got a high-end wide receiver two or a wide receiver one i'm trying to trade for uh a low rb1 high rb2 um and i think what i mean by that is for me, there's some good buy low candidates. Um, three I've identified, Jonathan Taylor, Daryl Henderson, and Joe Mixon. I think their values are at their absolute low. Mick, uh, Taylor coming off a game where he rushed for 22 yards and uh, Jonathan Wilkins took the work. You know, Frank Wright ran with the hot hand. And Jonathan Taylor has been slightly disappointing, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, he's still going to be a top 15 running back at the end of the season and with the upside to get into the top 12 he's going to have good days. He's going to have some games, not so good, but ultimately he is a buy low candidate because at this stage, his stock probably isn't going to be any lower. Um, so I would be buying him now. 
and I'd be trading players like I could be trading a easily replaceable players. So T Higgins, for example, is a guy you probably got for free who you could probably replace quite easily off the waiver wire. Um, I think trading someone like T Higgins with something else or replacement running back, um, I think probably makes some, some sense. Daryl Henderson, he's hurt. Hopefully he's not too bad, might miss a week. And then there's the bye week to consider. So you're buying him low, but you can stash him for the playoffs. I think would be good. Joe Mixon um, by this week. So therefore again, injured um, is another player you could, you could go for quite easily. Um, and, and what I mean by that is try and trade some, some of those high end wide receiver two wide receiver one. So look at maybe two of those. If it depends what your roster's like, but you know, trading, uh, Mike Evans and T Higgins for Joe Mixon for me is a good trade if you're stacked a wide receiver and I think that it, that kind of explains what you're getting like for like and those owners will start to panic Zeke is another one people are really starting to panic about Zeke I think he's going to come good at the end of the season but just got to keep an eye on on that one so um, and the reason I, I point this out is the gaps between the running back two. I don't know why the two. I kind of thought that one was miles ahead, and it really wasn't. But you know, <laughs> the gap to running back two to running back twelve is fifty-seven and a half points. The gap from running back thirteen to running back twenty-four is is sixteen points. Looking at wide receiver, wide receiver gap from wide receiver two to wide receiver twelve is just twenty-six point nine points. Wide receiver thirteen to wide receiver twenty-four is less than twelve points. So any of those, two, you could trade two of those guys, and if you can end up getting the someone who's at that high end RB2, low end RB1, I think you're getting a really, really good value return because those players are in much shorter supply. Maybe even if you have a Lamar Jackson and you have, say, Ryan Tannehill on your bench or something like that, you know, that would be a trade. Maybe like a Tannehill with a Cole Beasley might be enough to get Joe Mixon. You know, those are the sorts of things you need to get creative. But for me, you should be buying... Uh, a running back right now if you're short because they're the ones that will make the difference because if you're in your second running back spot if you're playing Dearness Johnson or um, Mike Davis who's about to probably not have a role for much longer or Naheem Hines or someone like that you're not going to you're not going to win your league that's just the, the bottom line of it so get a deal done to get one of those players I love it. My next point is on the Colts, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Murph, but the Colts looked good last night. They didn't look sexy good, but good in a way enough to win a football game. They targeted 11 players last night, spread the ball amongst the running backs. So they look set for a run at the playoffs, and then they're doing rotating the ball about. It's keeping everybody fresh. So it, it makes sense for them in a football sense, and I agree with buying Taylor, and I think... The fact that the Colts yesterday ran the hot hand, like you said, and spread the ball amongst the running backs means that Taylor is an even better buy low now because people might be scared that going forward they're gonna they're gonna you know RBBC it. But actually, they spent quite high on this second round running back pick, so they're gonna want to see what they've got. And if they're getting into the playoffs, they're gonna want to use their good players. And Taylor is a great buy low. And look, anyone that's worried about this, he himself, uh, Frank Wright, came out and said he didn't expect this. This wasn't part of his plan. He he ran with the hot hand, but let's just look at the snaps for the, the running backs in this team. Um, I'm just pulling it up. Right. So yesterday, um, 
Jonathan Taylor played only 34% of snaps. He still had the opportunity to begin with. It didn't work. They faded him. He went with Wilkins. Before that, 59% of snaps, 55% of snaps. Um, you know, his peak is 67. Like at the end of the day, he, he is getting the majority of the work. And I think as the season comes along, he'll get even more. He's clearly just got a bit of on-field things. But in terms of just maybe struggling to find the hole, just takes time out there. But I think he'll he'll come along. Listen, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is, is the sexiest pickup. I don't think he's going to be a, be a top five running back this year. But if you're in a position where you're playing a, a Naheem Hines, a, a Mike Davis, uh, you've got people like Raheem Mostert on IR, you you need to be buying a running back. And if it, it, you're just going to have to pay up for, for, for someone like Taylor, like Mixon, like, like Henderson. You could probably try and get Zeke because a lot of people are really panicking about him. CEH is another one, um, but I think he's more capped uh, than, than maybe the opportunity of these three or four players. Absolutely. Murph, talk to me about fantasy playoff strength of schedule. Yeah, so you've been using some tools to look at um, fantasy playoff strength of, of schedule, right? So the, t- the five teams with the best fantasy playoff schedule, um, this week's 14 to 16, not factoring in 17. Um, we talked about the Chargers uh, either last week or the week before. I said, by Keenan Allen, he's an absolute uh, player you have to acquire given the, the schedule he's got coming in. Tampa Bay, Kansas City, the Jets, um, the, the Chicago Bears, and I put Baltimore because it's six because are you really going to want to buy Jets players? Um, <laughs> so I thought I'd make sure there was at least five relevant teams. So for me, Keenan Allen is at the play you should be trying to buy Herbert, but you're going to struggle to get him. Um, but don't spend too much because you don't really need the quarterback, but he's he's special. Tampa Bay, Godwin, uh, Evans, even potentially Scotty Miller as a stash play in case one of those two get injured and get put out for the year since they've both been injured on and off. Um, might be good just to acquire Scotty Miller off the waiver wire and just keep him um, for fantasy playoffs. Uh, Chicago Bears, Darnell Mooney is a player I mentioned very briefly on the waiver wire pod, might be a stash play for the playoffs. Um, but try and acquire Alan Robinson if you can. Um, don't worry about I mean, even Montgomery. I mean, people sit here and slate Montgomery. He's a top, I think he's a top 12 running back this season. Um, shocking as he is. I mean, that tells you everything you kind of need to know, but he's Mr. Steady Reliable. Uh, he'll have an opportunity to run. Baltimore, again, if you can acquire, I don't really know what you want to acquire, Mark Andrews potentially, but I wouldn't spend too much. Um, but they're, they're just teams to really watch out for. The, the worst teams, so these are the players that you want to consider shipping given their, their fantasy um, schedule in the playoffs. Um, so Houston have the worst schedule. So if you've got Will Fuller, uh, David Johnson, they might be players you want to shift out. Minnesota, again, Justin Jefferson, Adam Phelan. Um, you could probably get King's Ransom for Adam Phelan right now, so that might be one to really think about. Um, Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh might already sort of be, they might be playing for a bye, but they've got a pretty rough schedule coming in. Uh, New England, but I doubt you're going to want many of their fantasy pieces left. And the Raiders, again, they've got some interesting pieces like a Josh Jacobs, for example. If you can flip him for for something worthwhile, then that could be one uh, consideration for you. I reckon you could straight up flip flip Josh Jacobs for Joe Mixon right now. Well, I'll give you an example. So in in the home league I do with with Adam Rank, I traded... um, Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. (laughs) I traded... Zeke and Michael Gallup for that's who I got and uh, Joe Jacobs and Justin Jefferson. Oh, nice. I, mean, I dropped Gallup. I didn't really want Gallup. 
But I was so deep at wide receiver, Jefferson was kind of going to be fringes. Was he even going to come in most weeks? So I ended up dropping Gallup for Dallas Goddard, I think, this week. Tasty. like it. So I acquired Zeke because I believe he's going to go upwards. Um, I also need to do it for the matchup against Rank because Jacobs was against uh, Tampa and I thought he'd lose me the week if he if he played. So it was a buy immediately buy win now to win to get Zeke and upgrade the position, but then also going forward. Yeah, well, it was a good one. You did well. You did well. So I'm piggybacking on your LA Chargers thing and your Keenan Allen. Murph mentioned it before. Buy Keenan Allen absolute must buy he's had double digit targets in all of justin herbert's starts except for the game i think against the saints where he got injured and he scored a touchdown or got over 90 yards in five of these six games if you can go and get him cheap or not cheap but if you can go and get him i think you'll be paying less than what he's actually worth yeah be hard but i think you should get him yeah and then you also mentioned a bad run for the no a good run for the Baltimore Ravens, but I don't think you should go and give up the earth for J.K. Dobbins after he goes over 100 yards. This is the first 100-plus yard games for a Ravens running back this season. The Gus bus also had 87 yards, which is also the second most yards in a game for the Ravens running back this season. Uh, Just purely because Mark Ingram wasn't there and it wasn't a three-headed beast, but as soon as Mark Ingram is back, expect the workload to be split again and they're going to be getting around 60 yards each. It's just not something I want to deal with. And I think if you are in a redraft and you could sell Dobbins high now after his big game, I'd go and do that for sure. 100% couldn't agree more. Talked about that on the waiver wire pod earlier that um, Gus the Bus is a a waiver wire ad this week because Ingram looks like he's going to miss week nine. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd, I'd get Gus the bus in now. Um, I think he's someone that you can plug into a hole this week if you've got some buys. But I, yeah, I agree with you. I think going forward, I wouldn't want a piece of this uh, backfield at all. Yeah. I mean, if the, the, the ideal situation here is to go and sell Dobbins for something and then pick Gus up off the waiver wire and you, you've got a twofer. You, I'll tell you what, here's, a, here's one. Try and sell Dobbins for Montgomery. Oh. That's that's a stretch if you could do that. I don't know. People don't like him because he's a plotter. Take the perception. Maybe you have to chuck in a wide receiver that, that's sitting on your bench. I'd float that. I don't hate it. I only own Dobbins in one place and it's a dynasty league, so I'm not doing that trade. But no. hey. Uh, and then Murphy, your last one, match up QBs and tight ends. Uh, yeah, so uh, this kind of goes to stash the QB, stash tight ends. Unless you have an alpha at the position, you're just better off playing them uh, matchups. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of tight ends. I have two tight ends where it's like uh, previous weeks, it was like Jimmy Graham or Trey Burton or, uh, you know, just in that position where you're just picking the best matchups or Jimmy Graham and Logan Thomas. You know, those aren't bad scenarios to be in because you, you should be able to, with that combination, outperform just having a set and forget. Um, same way that I'm in a lot of situations where I have Justin Herbert and Ryan Tannehill or I have a lot of people and Ryan Tannehill, basically. <laughs> yeah. I seem to have a lot of Ryan Tannehill, which is not a bad position to be in, but I match up, play them. Um, just looking at the lines, looking at uh, over and underscores, looking at the potential for each matchup to exploit. And it, it's listen, it's not foolproof because I thought Wentz was a smash play this week and it didn't work. But more often than not, it will yield you a positive result. Absolutely. Right, Murph. Last week, you hung me out to drive with the Murph on the streets. Have you saved any for the segment this week, or should we yeah. just overrun it? No, I've got, I've got a few. Good. Um, Fire away. 
Denver Broncos overcame a 21-point deficit this week against the Los Angeles Chargers. So it joins so this season joins 2015 as the only seasons in which a team has overcome a deficit of at least 13 points to to win in each of its first eight weeks of a season in NFL history. Well done, Denver. With two game, with one game remaining in Week Eight, there have been 25 games in which a team has overcome a deficit of at least 10 points to win this season. The second most such games throughout Week Eight in NFL history. Only the 1987 season, which had 26 games, had more. Um, Steelers have 30 sacks and 10 interceptions this season, and are the fourth team since 1990 with at least 30 sacks and 10 interceptions in their first seven games of the season. Joining, this is a shock, the 2019 Carolina Panthers. Really? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> the 2017 Saxonville Jaguars and the 2013 Chiefs. Baltimore have scored at least 20 points in 30 consecutive regular season games, and that's tied with Denver, who did it from 2012 to 2014 as the longest streak of regular season games with at least 20 points in NFL history. Mad. Three teams, the Atlanta Falcons, Cincinnati Bengals, and Minnesota Vikings, entered Week 8 with one victory and one. The first time that three teams with one or fewer wins in Week 8 or later earned a win at the same point uh, in the same week since Week 10 of 2019. Who's who's finding that one out? That is yeah, obscure. <laughs> Let's see if I've got any more. I do have more. I'm just trying to pull out some decent ones here. Did I hear something about Patrick Mahomes becoming the fastest QB to get to a certain yardage in NFL history? Uh, that is really badly um, worded. Apologies. So Mahomes had ten. He's had ten career games with at least four touchdowns um, passing, and joins. Dan Marino with 12 games is the only quarterbacks with 10 such games in their first four seasons in the NFL. Wow. He's got a few more games to beat that as well. Um, yeah, he does. So let's see. Um, Russell Wilson's 26 touchdown passes this season is trailing only Tom Brady 27 passes in 2007 for the most by a player in the first seven games of a season in NFL history. That's a frightening amount. Joe Burrow has 221 completions this season, the most completions by a player in his first eight career games in NFL history. Burrow has at least 25 completions in six games this season, tied with Kyler Murray six games in 2019 for the second most such games by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. Carson Wentz holds the record with seven. We're not seeing that Carson Wentz right now, are we? No. So, and I'll finish with this one. Alvin Kamara had nine receptions and 163 scrimmage yards in the Saints' overtime win at Chicago. Kamara has 55 receptions this season, joins Matt Forte and LaDamian Tomlinson as the only running backs with at least 50 receptions in each of their first four seasons in the NFL. That's big-time numbers, 50 yeah. receptions for a running back. Absolutely. That was a good one. I enjoyed that, Murph. There was a, there was a lot to digest, some obscurity, but it was a good one. Yeah, really good. You look confused. No, no, I, no, no, it's all good. Marvellous. Well, that pretty much wraps up the flagship show, Big Man. It does. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. And it's only, well, this comes out on Tuesday, but it's only Monday night. So there's still four whole days of this working week left to go. Three days until national lockdown. You and I are going to try and catch up possibly on Wednesday if I can get free. But, you know, the uh, the light at the tunnel is closing rapidly for anybody to do anything. So I'm sure I can carve out some time for you, mate. But we shall see on that one. Rush Nation, you all make sure you stay safe in these troubling times. Try and 
stay safe in the last times running up to COVID lockdown again. We know it's not easy, but we're doing it for the benefit of now for the good of later. So keep washing those hands, keep using the sanitizer, wearing your mask, staying safe. And until Murph's back in your ears later on in the week and Rob and Pitsy are there, don't forget to listen to the Five Yard College Boys. But until all of those stuff is happening, as always, stay safe and keep rushing. a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.